0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you, and I'm glad you're here. Good day. A lot of folks here. It's good to be in God's house with you. If you have your Bibles, we'll get right at it today. John chapter 1, we're going to cover, uh, five whole verses today. So, uh, busy day. John chapter 1, we're going to begin with verse 6, if you have your Bible. And, uh, if you don't have your Bible, I always tell you, and, and sometimes you, you may not be here to hear it, but if there's a Bible in the pew, if you don't have a Bible, then we would like for you to uh, take that home with you and be your Bible. If you have a bunch of them, like a lot of us do, then you don't need to take it home. Uh, AJ won a drawing about two years ago and got all those Bibles for us. So we're really thankful for that. And... Um, That's one good reason that we should go to the Southern Baptist Convention. I've never won anything, but AJ won that year. Let's read together. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light Who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. What a tragedy that is. God thank you for your word and I just pray that you'll teach us and show us and change us as you see fit today. In Jesus name we ask. Amen. Uh, we've been looking now for the third Sunday at the Gospel of John and you've seen some things and we're going to talk about a pretty simple division of this passage of scripture. Uh, it's a witness, a message, and a response and that's the way we can divide this up. It's real easy today. And in our study of the Gospel of John, we've seen some remarkable things in these first verses about Jesus. We have seen that he existed from the beginning Before the beginning, from eternity. So Christ is eternal. That's one of the messages of the first chapter of John. Christ is eternal. He's been in eternal fellowship with God. That's very, very important. It says that he has been with God. So he has the word we described. They would face each other in eternal fellowship. Uh, the next thing is very important. He is God. So not only is he in eternal fellowship with God, but he's distinct from God. He is God himself. And so we don't have three gods, but we have one God. But Christ is distinct. He is creator of all things. And that's very, very important. So through Christ, all things were created. And he sustains those things. And then last week we saw that that Christ is the light of the world. He's the light of mankind. And, and there are some very important qualities about that light, namely that it overcomes the darkness. And that's the practical point that we need to get. Uh, you know, we're in a great season of celebration and I think a lot of folks really enjoy Christmas. And they enjoy family and they enjoy time together and they enjoy the songs and they enjoy the eggnog and they enjoy the, all the great, the food, the gifts, the family is so great. So most people can celebrate a little bit at Christmas, but I'm going to tell you, uh, Christmas is a lot more than our celebrations, because a lot of people would say there's nothing merry about Christmas for them. And for those that are going through illness right now and going through great difficulty or going through financial trouble or for those whose homes are empty because of someone that they love who has passed away in the year. If, if you were to go to our county jail or to a state prison or to a federal prison, you would find people that they see no particular joy in the season. So I'm going to tell you, Christ has to be bigger than our celebrations. The lightness, the the darkness is not dispelled just because we sing pretty Christmas songs and we put up decorations. The darkness is dispelled because Christ is bigger than all of these things. He is the light of the world. He illuminates the darkness. That's what we saw last week. And so if God is not big enough to dispel the darkness, he's not God. And the Bible tells us clearly Christ was God. So I, I want you to be encouraged that the light of the world is in the, in the world. And that's why we celebrate this year. That's, that's the message. Of John chapter 1 that Christ came into the world as the eternal God as the Savior of mankind to dispel the darkness for each one of us Merry Christmas what a gift that is and that's a real reason to celebrate let me let me start with where we're going to go today I'm going to talk first about the witness and in verse 6 we see and we're not talking about the Apostle John here but we're talking about John the Baptist there was a man named John who was sent from God John the Baptist born Right before Jesus was born, His distinct purpose was to be a witness for God. He was, He was sent from God. He was commissioned and sent by God to do a special work. Uh, Dr. Harry Ironside, that you'll hear me speak of him a lot, and he says that God has used people with the name of John a lot. In history, of course, he used John the Apostle. He used uh, John Mark in the New Testament. He used John Calvin. He used John Wesley. He used John Knox. He has used a lot of names, a lot of people named by John. Means the grace of Jehovah. So when you hear John in the Bible, you're probably hearing somebody that God's using. John the Baptist was a man that Jesus. That would proclaim and be a witness for Christ. That was, that was his job. I want you to listen to what it said about him though. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. John's purpose is to testify the word testify is a legal word. It's, it's a term that would be used in the Greek day to be used in courts. It would be a very precise word to, to testify and to tell you about things that he knew it was legal testimony. So John's testimony in the, uh, in the eyes of the apostle John was very, very specific. So, and he had a very distinct purpose so that all might believe in him. And so we are uh, witnesses of Christ, and that our belief, our our purpose is that all might believe through us. The the people knew that John was not preaching about himself. He says, I come to tell you about a person that's coming that's greater than I, that I'm not even worthy to tie their shoestrings. And he said, He's going to have to get bigger and I he's got to increase and I've got to decrease. So John knew exactly that was his purpose. That was his place. That was what God called him to do in the midst of all that it wasn't to center the world around his own preaching but around who was coming after him Jim Simbola, who is one of my favorite preachers out of Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York and Jim says that he grew up as a Southern Baptist and as a Pentecostal I guess we would call that a Baptist and um he said that he enjoyed both of those traditions and if you go to his church today, he would celebrate and you would see evidence of both of those kinds of, uh, faiths in, in his church. But, but Jim said that they used to go to camp meetings. Have you ever been to a camp meeting? You know, a long time ago we used to go to revivals and you kind of went off for a week and a week of preaching and a week of staying in, in a, in a camp and he, he said that after the preaching was over, if you walked back to your your hut that night and everybody talked about the preacher then we knew that that was just a regular old worship service but he says when we really worshiped and found god we came back and we said my what a god we serve he said this the the focus wasn't on the preacher it was on god john the baptist his focus was not on himself it was on christ that's a good witness that's exactly exactly what we call for him to do you know um John's purpose, his his reason to be, was that others might believe. We've got to be careful that we don't worship the witness. We gotta be careful. There were, there were apostles that followed John even into the New Testament. There were, there's evidence in Acts chapter 19 of, of apostles that followed John the Baptist that kinda of got the message wrong and kept following him long after he had lost his life. And, and even there is a sect in Iraq today that claims their origin all the way back to John the Baptist. They still believe in him. They follow the witness. We gotta be careful that we don't follow the witness. Whether it's the preacher, whether it's the church, that we don't worship the wrong person. Christ is our main effort. That's what we got to know. Let, let me say one more thing. If God and and I like the word John was sent by God. He was sent. He he didn't he didn't get up one morning and say, "Well, you know, I think I'm going to go preach about Jesus." He didn't even know Jesus. He didn't know who he was. He never met him. Can you imagine that he never he never preached about a man that he met? He just he was sent by God. If God sends you to do something, if God selects you and says he wants you to go do something and go do it and God will equip you and he will he will enlarge your mind to do the job. He will enlarge your personality to do the job. He'll do the things that are necessary. If God's working in your life, then then let him do. And um, what a great thing. And God calls a lot of you. But listen to the second part of that says he was not the light. But he came to testify about the light again. This message wasn't his own. He didn't create it. He didn't come up with it He has that idea that he was to testify now Now john the baptist was the first of eight witnesses in the bible I'm going to read them to you Uh, In chapter 5 verse 37 the father would be a witness in chapter 8 verse 18 jesus words would be a witness in chapter five, verse 36, his words, the things that Jesus would do in his ministry in chapter 21, verse 24, the Old Testament scriptures would testify to Jesus in chapter four, verse 29, the people that met him would testify. And in 1527, the disciples there, John talks about witnesses. He wanted to show you the people that met Jesus and could testify and the, and the things could testify to who Christ was. That's what he did. I really hope when it's all over for me, somebody will say I was able to testify about the light. That's what I did. I'd rather him say that than anything else you could say about us. John knew exactly where his place was. When I, when I was in the military, my last job, I worked, I worked on a staff or a two-star general and I was one of the staff officers and often, well, several times I would go to meetings for my general and everybody knew that I wasn't the general. I mean, you'd be sitting in a room full of generals, and there's this one colonel. Obviously, he's not a general. And, and, I never, and, and before I'd go to the meeting, I would talk to my boss and find out what he wanted me to say and how he wanted me to answer questions and how he wanted me to do things because I wasn't the general. That's what it means when we're a witness, when, when we're testifying about somebody else. It's, it's not our word, not our opinion. It's not our fault. We have to be careful in the church that we don't say, Well, the church here, uh, we're we're a witness for the church, but we're gonna do it our way. We're gonna we're gonna save money up and just keep it back and never use it in ministry, or we're gonna save resources or save people, or we're not gonna invest it in the community or invest it in the kingdom. God God calls us to be a witness. A witness for Him, to lay it all out and be be upfront and minister to Him in a powerful way. So what kind of witness are you? you came He was not the light, but he came to testify. The second thing is a very simple message. I want you to see a really simple message. That's what it is. Look at this in your Bible. It's so great in verse 9. The true light who gives light to everybody was coming into the world. The true light. There are a lot of false lights. There are a lot of things that look like light. There's a lot of ideas that can catch our mind and catch our attention. And they can be good things. They can be legitimate things. But... John let us know that the true light, the real light, was coming into the world. And this light would give light to everybody. Now, I want you to be very careful that you understand or very clear that you understand what that means. That doesn't mean that we have light on our own. That God gives us light and now we have light. But it means that Christ's light... Shines into us and we can reflect it out. That's what that means. We are light to other people. He gives everybody light. He gives me light. He gives you light. He gives the person in this room with the most faith light. He gives the person in this room with the least faith light. He gives light to the world. That's what it means. So God dispenses that. Powerfully. Through Christ. that That's real light. Uh, it, it's true. It means real and genuine. you got to be able to distinguish and tell those two things apart. Light to everybody. Light's not in us. We don't have light. I don't have any light. If you find anything Christ-like in me, it's him. Reflecting in my life. If you have Christ-like characteristics in your life, it's Christ reflecting in your life. When you see a person and you say, man, they look like Jesus to me, then you're seeing Jesus radiating from the life of a person. That's what he did when he brought true light into the world. You know, there's always that somebody says, always somebody says, well, you know, I'm just not that bad. I'm just not that bad. I'm not that bad a person. I do things pretty well. But when you bring the true light and you shine it, into our life, we can see that. You, you know, I, when, when, when my relationship with Christ grew and His Word began to have an influence in my life and, and I began to seek after His will and try to do the things that He called me to do and not just the things that I wanted to do or that seemed pleasing to do, when God began changing me, I, I began to see the things that were wrong in my life. He, he would shine His light into areas of darkness in my life. And I, listen, I've still got plenty of darkness. I imagine you got a little bit of darkness. But God's still working. The true light will expose the light. It'll it'll show us our weakness. It'll show us where we need to go. But there's really a lot more to that. I, I started thinking about that. What does is, what is the true light really look like in a person? Whenever I think about something like that, I always go back. I, I think of the book of Romans a lot. And Paul gave us these characteristics of what light looks like. He didn't call it light, but he called it Jesus. He said, this is what Christ has done for us. Listen to this in Romans chapter 5. He says, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we've obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, I like Paul says, not only that. If you thought I was finished, but we also rejoice in our affliction because we know that our affliction produces endurance and our endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let me tell you what the light of Christ does in your life. It, first of all, declares us righteous. When you have a relationship with Christ, you have been declared righteous by God. God says, I don't see your sin, I just see Jesus. That's a benefit of the light being in your life. You have peace with God. Oh me, that's the greatest thing that we can have is peace with God. That we can wake up one day and we not have a burden of our sin or our failure or the things that we can't do or our shortcomings. God gives us peace with him. That's that's a benefit of being in light. We have access by faith to God. By our faith, if you are a believer today, you have access any time, day or night, right to God. He has given you access. He's given you access. The ability to go to Him. If you're struggling with a sin in your life, you can go to Him. If you're struggling with grief in your life, you can go to Him. If you are struggling with a burden, you have access to God. Wow, that's an amen there. I mean, that's really good. You can rejoice. You have joy because you can rejoice in the hope of God's glory. You, how about that? You don't have to go to bed at night and think, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm getting older. I'm getting sicker. I don't know what in the world. You can rejoice in the hope of God's glory. You know, you know, in the, in the promise of God. That's, that's what the light does when it shines in your life. This is the one, and I always have a hard time saying this. Because Paul said this, and, and James said this, but he said that because, if you have the light of Christ in your life, you can even rejoice in your affliction. You can even have affliction in your life and you can rejoice. You can say, I, I don't understand this. I don't like this. It's not good. But I know Christ and I can rejoice that, that all this is going to be okay. In fact, in fact, Paul says that in Romans 8, he says that for those that know Christ and believe in him, all things work for good. He says that. That's, that's a promise. That's not like it might happen. It could happen. It's a promise for you and I so we can rejoice in our affliction. And then lastly, uh, God's love has been poured out into our hearts. I don't know. That's a really good thing when God's love pours out in our ugly, dark hearts. So that's what the light of Christ does for us. There are some tangible benefits, the true light. If you don't have anything in your life today, I hope that you have the true light of Christ in your life. I I hope that you have Christ's love. Now, you know, um, I want to say just a minute, and I, this isn't in my note, but I just want to say this to you. Because you've got to really understand this. And a lot of people have a misunderstanding about it. They think once they come to Jesus, then their whole life is Radically changed. And, and maybe it will be. I prayed that it would be radically changed. I mean, sometimes people are radically changed by Jesus right there. But often, often, God changes you over time. And as light illuminates your darkness you began rooting out darkness he begins identifying darkness uh, places where you have guilt you start feeling joy place where you're not so assured you start having assurance places where you are worried and concerned you start having acceptance and faith it happens over time don't be discouraged god is Not, you don't have to say, well, I don't know if his light's going to really help me because I was a real mess and I'm not really sure if he can do much good for me. He can light up any darkness. That's the promise we have. Any darkness that you have. Any, anything that you expel. So the true light, as Paul says, or as John says, the true light, the true light who gives light to everybody was coming into the world. But then my third point, this is really sad. Here's here's how the message was received. Listen to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Now, that's a sad thing. Because here, we have learned that God, eternal Christ Christ. Who is with God from the beginning. Created all things through him. Sustains the world. Will judge the world. Is not only that. He's the savior of the world. And he came in the world. And the world didn't see who he was. What a tragedy that is. How sad that is. But but it's even worse when you read the next verse. And the real tragedy is in verse 11. He came to his own people. And his own people did not receive him. So that's the sadness of all of this. I think think it's probably one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. Christ, the Logos, the complete fulfillment of the revelation of God, the complete picture of who God is. God in the flesh came into the world and his own people who should have known about him. They had read about him. They knew about him. They were waiting for him, but they didn't recognize him. And they didn't receive him. And they rejected him. That's the real tragedy. It's sad today that a lot of people hear about Christ, know about him, have read about him, maybe sang songs about him, maybe celebrate his birthday at Christmas and give presents and exchange trees. I heard somebody say this week that we can celebrate Christmas without Jesus. And I will tell you that's impossible. That's impossible. Because you have missed the only joy there is in the season. Now, it's fun to get together with family. It's fun to do things. It's fun to have gifts. But Christ is far bigger than all of that. Christ is our Savior. He came to His own people. And His own people received Him. That's the real real tragedy. C.S. Lewis said... He always has a lot of great quotes. If really smart guy, if you want to read something about him, he's just great. Pick one of his books up and he teaches with his great mind. And, and he, and he says that we get all turned around on the wrong focus. He says, um, he says if we focus on heaven, then we get earth as a benefit. We get happiness on earth as a benefit. So if you, if you focus on spiritual things, you get contentment on earthly things as well because Jesus said I came to bring life and to bring it abundantly but C.S. Lewis said if you focus on the earthly things you get nothing you have nothing so the people that hear about him and know about him and don't receive him they miss everything and it's really sad that a lot of people exchange the real light for a counterfeit light that's what our world has done Steve Jobs, uh, I know you all know him, the Microsoft uh, CEO, died several years ago with pancreatic cancer. One of the, uh, one of his talks, interviews that came out during his illness, uh, he said, he said, I didn't know how much money I had until I had pancreatic cancer, and now it doesn't really matter. So he, and I don't know about his spiritual status, I don't know that. But he, he didn't realize that he owned billions, probably tens or hundreds of billions of dollars of personal wealth. He didn't realise that. And and in the end he said it wouldn't do him any good. But what you can do is you can trust Christ, the real light of the world today. I I'm certain there are people here that don't know Christ personally. And I'm certain that there are people here that maybe don't understand exactly what he will do. But I want you to know that the Apostle John wrote this book so that we might come to faith in Christ. And so that we don't have this tragedy of his own people didn't know him. I want you to know that Christ stands at the door of your life. He, he wants to be let in. He desires a relationship with you and me. He wants us to know him. He wants to bring his light into our life. And so whatever, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever background you are, whatever you've been involved in, however you've come to be here, that's his offer to you. It's pretty simple. So I invite you. We're going to, in just a moment, I'm going to ask AJ to come up and we're going to have an invitation and you have an opportunity to respond as God leads you. Maybe you want to go home and think about this thing and ponder it and come by and talk to us. But I urge you with whatever you have to come to the light of the world this Christmas season. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. It is so important to us to have light to dispel the darkness that exists in all of us. And I pray that you'll do that. Work powerfully in our lives by whatever means or whatever way that you see fit. Lord, thank you for your word. Make it clear in our life.